Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Welcome back to Discographology, where times aren't tough, they're tedious. This week, we are continuing our look at the work of The Replacements by giving the full Discographology treatment to 1983's Hootenanny. The Replacements toured the Upper Midwest throughout 1982, hitting the Atwood Student Center in St. Cloud, the St. Croix Boom Company in Stillwater, But their primary home away from home was Madison, Wisconsin, where they drew heavily at G.S. Viggs, Club DeWash, and Headliners. Peter Jesperson referred to the Wisconsin capital as, like our Hamburg, unquote. He also noticed that, especially when away from home, quote, being in a band is like putting on a mask, unquote. Traveling from show to show, personalities grew more, quote, exaggerated. Tommy was the brat, the budget-minded Chris was the chintz, Bob was the drunk, and Paul, ever the misanthrope, was the louse. They were often joined on the road by loud, fast rules, fronted by Dave Perner, last heard yelling, Hey, fuck you, man, in the stink intro. After some lineup refinements, Loud Fast Rules rebranded as Soul Asylum and were adopted by the Mats as sort of a little brother band. While Perner was at home in the spotlight, Westerberg was less desiring of the attention. A friend and classmate of Perner's noted that, quote, Westerberg was trying to be working class angry. Perner was trying to get the chicks, unquote. Also developing in this period was Bob's penchant for flamboyant show costumes inspired by advice from the damned guitarist Captain Sensible. The mats were opening for the British punks in Madison. After seeing Bob's typical nondescript attire, jeans and a t-shirt from Mama Rosa's, the captain ordered, Bloody hell, mate, you need to lose the fucking flares. If anybody's going to notice you up there, you need to look and act the part. Although only touring in earnest for a couple of years, The road life of long nights, alcohol, and cigarettes cigarettes. was already wearing on Paul's health. On the trip home from a show in Stillwater, Paul began having a physical reaction, coughing and retching in the back of the van. As Jesperson sped down to the hospital in Minneapolis, Paul grasped his shoulder and croaked, If I die, don't let Bob sing. Paul was diagnosed with an inflammation of the membranes around his lungs. He suspected it resulted from, quote, straining to sing like Lemmy from Motorhead, unquote. The remedy, slather his chest with Ben Gay, would be part of his pre-show routine for several years. The morning after, he began writing lyrics about his trip to the hospital. Paul was not the only replacement who had a brush with injury in 1982. At a show in Lawrence, Kansas, a grounding fault with the venue PA led to Bob being electrocuted and nearly killed. Arcs from the strings of his Gibson Firebird burned lines across his hand. 
Paul's solo songwriting continued as well, but he often withheld songs from the group. His primary audience, the other replacements, had diverse tastes. Quote, If it doesn't rock enough, Bob will scoff on it. And if it isn't catchy enough, Chris won't like it. And if it isn't modern enough, Tommy won't like it, he recalled. In late 82, Paul would also play his first solo set in Minneapolis, but he was very unnerved by the intimacy and the inability to hide behind the noise of the group. It would be his last solo gig for nearly 20 years. In an attempt to capture some of these songs that might not work for the rest of the band, Peter booked a solo session for Paul at Blackberry Way in July. Chris showed up unexpectedly, and they worked on several songs, including a track called Warning Sound that would take full form one album later as We're Coming Out. Another was a take for Within Your Reach. Engineer Steve Felstad suggested using a Dr. Rhythm drum machine to much acclaim from Paul. Chris attempted a take with live drums, but couldn't replicate the mechanistic beat produced by the machine, at least to Paul's satisfaction. Chris was uncharacteristically emotional and upset about not being able to nail the part and the prospect of being replaced. Paul recalled that from that point, he would hesitate to present certain songs that might prove impossible for their current lineup to play, noting that, Quote, for every within your reach, I squelched five or six more because I didn't want to spoil the party. Stink was the high watermark of the replacements as a punk band, but the boys knew that they wanted to do something different for the next record. Tommy noted that, quote, It wasn't in the cards for us to be hardcore. It wasn't like we could suddenly be that all the time. The inability of us being any one thing all the time was pretty evident early on. Stop it. Chris Mars, quite understandably, was ready to try some more moderate tempos. Paul, ever the fan of the Beatles and the Stones, wished to emulate the cycles of evolution and revolution that accompanied each new release from those classic acts. Only Bob was reluctant to move away from the slash-and-burn punk of Sorry Ma and Stink. Bob didn't want Within Your Reach on the record, and Paul stood his ground. But the version of the ballad You're Getting Married was deemed, quote, not the replacements by Bob and didn't make the cut. Although Within Your Reach and the frantic Run It were recorded mid-year at the eight-track equipped Blackberry Way, the majority of what had already been titled Hootenanny would be recorded with the twin-tone 24-track mobile unit with Paul Stark producing. As the no-nonsense dollars and cents side of Twin Tone, Stark and the band would often clash and the sessions often were marked by late arrivals and trips to the bar around the corner. 
After an argument over live echo on the vocals for Willpower, with Stark noting that they could just add it in later, Westerberg initiated a clandestine change to the lineup. Bob picked up the bass, Chris and Tommy donned guitars, and Paul sat at the drums, calling out Hootenanny and E. The band improvised the title track, stifling laughter. When they were finished, Stark, still unaware of the joke, asked if they wanted to come in and listen. Nope, replied Westerberg. That's it. First song, side one. They continued to record throughout the winter, with many more musical experiments stemming from hours of listening in the van. Rather than focus on making a fast rock and roll album, Paul said, quote, the record was going to be whatever turned out best on tape, unquote. A late addition to the musical melange was the country closing track, Treatment Bound, which Paul described to Peter as, quote, kind of like the ballad of the replacements. Recorded in the Stinson basement, it describes touring campaigns from Duluth to Madison, where they were getting nowhere as quick as they know how. This week on Discographology, we'll join them on the journey. All right. Hootenanny was released uh, on April 29th of 1983. Number one um, on the Hot 100 at that time was Beat It by Michael Jackson, along with uh, it was it was a big week for for uh, songs that you think of as big 80s songs. Uh, Come on, Eileen, Mr. Roboto and uh, <laughs> Der Commissar by After the Fire. Um, oh, wow. David Bowie's Let's Dance uh, was number five. Jackson again with Billie Jean. Uh, Thomas Dolby, She Blinded Me with Science. And uh, <laughs> damn, <laughs> I know, I know. It's 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 a it's the a murderer's row of, of <laughs> 80s tracks uh, because uh, rounding it out, um, Minneapolis compatriot Prince with Little Red Corvette. Wow, of course. <laughs> Um, the the art was a, a direct lift from a, a 1963 uh, folk compilation record called um, the original Hootenanny, and it was uh, put together by uh, by Husker Du drummer Grant Hart. They just took the concept wholesale. Um, they thought it would be funny. Uh, Playboy said the record was uh, wailing Midwestern garage punk meets humorous 30s folk, and that it was so terrible it's great. Uh, Chris Gow touted the loose, freewheeling craziness and noted that they'll try anything. Uh, to him, it was the most critically acclaimed independent album of 1983, and R.E.M.'s Bill Berry called it one of the greatest records of all time. Um, what do we think uh, about Hootenanny? H- had anyone heard Hootenanny? Had we heard any of the songs uh, from Hootenanny, Josh? Wh- what do you think? So I kind of similar to like Sorry Ma and Stink. I was familiar with the the quote unquote hits, the ones that show up on compilations. So I knew Color Me Impressed, and I knew Within Your Reach. Uh, those two, uh, both on a lot of compilations, you know, greatest hits and such. So I knew those two. I knew the cover. 
uh, like the Hootenanny cover. I always thought it was kind of a cool cover. I like the idea that they took this 60s folk thing and changed it. But other than that, nope, I, I knew nothing of the other songs on this album before this listen. And I usually just listened uh, using streaming services, online files, that kind of thing. Uh, Blake, what about you? Have you been to the Hootenanny? Um, <laughs> this was my first time Hootenannying whatsoever. Um, it's it's not until the next record after this that I had heard any replacements at all. Um, and I streamed it in the car in some nice headphones and my favorite in the living room uh, through the uh, stereo system. Logan, uh, I I think you had you had a compilation. Um, anything from from Hootenanny showing up there? Uh, no, I've never heard. Uh, I've never heard this before. So it it was my first time, first listen, first invite to the Hootenanny. So yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I I I listened uh, just on streaming services and uh, YouTube music. So on the on my commute and you know just listening and hanging out yeah this one was the one that i was uh the least uh familiar with um but but i had heard uh, all of it at least once before um and uh, definitely remembered color me impressed that both of the early uh records for me you know i always had one song that i kind of you know took away and and was um uh was less familiar with with the rest of them but uh it, it was enjoyable um listening to this i i had a chance to uh to put it on in the car on a, on a decent car trip so um got a chance to listen to it that way that's one of my favorite uh favorite ways to to listen to music is um dri- driving driving a trip uh somewhere but uh let, let's get started let's uh uh we, i think uh we we've arrived and and the hootenanny is about to begin let's uh let's hear that first track As I mentioned in the, in the history segment, yeah, this is a uh, this is a an alternate replacements lineup, and uh, you know, for for being a, a a studio joke, it's it's not ha- not half bad. It definitely sets the tone for me uh, for the record. Um, it's kind of mixed weird. I, I thought I know the drums are are pretty hot um, in the mix, and it's a uh, a writing credit to all four members. I, I got to think that the that the average replacements fan uh you know dropping the needle on this uh, after their first two records was what was 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 quite surprised and confused uh but uh, Josh what what do you think I don't know I I feel like if they if they put this on it does the one thing it has going for it it has the replacement sense of humor like I I think if you had heard those first you know that first album and then stink you were well aware that this band sometimes kind of jokes around and especially you know their reputation live is is as a band that kind of just plays whatever uh and, and sometimes plays really terribly so I feel like you would, if you were a fan of the band, you had to kind of not be taken aback by this. But uh, for me, going into this, I was a little like, is this okay? It's an intro. It's just them kind of messing around. Uh, the studio banter is back, just like it was on Sorry Ma and a little bit on Stink, uh, you know, with Paul talking at the top of the song. 
But uh, I agree with you. It sets the tone. But other than that, I'm not sure how often I'll be like, let's listen to Hoot Nanny. You know, <laughs> gotta go back. It's it's if you're putting the whole album on, you throw it on. But yeah, as a song itself, it's it's kind of just there. <laughs> yeah, Josh is right. Uh, it's it's because we already like, we already know them, we already like their sense of humor. That I'm not just gonna be like, uh, what is this garbage? I'm turning it off. I didn't realized that they had switched instruments until I read about it later, but I was like, yeah, it's it sounds like it. It sounds like, for the most part, they're playing stuff they're not uh, comfortable playing. Um, so, you know, it. we've all done the switcheroo, I think, here on the... We, we all play in bands, and it can be fun. Uh, the results are musically not great, always. Um, I do like that it's improvised. It, he maybe he could have improvised more than one word of lyric, but I don't know. Anyway, I I'm not going to give it a banger or anything, but uh, is it maybe it counts as a free song? Does it count as like a free space? It just gets a free pass because it's kind of like a whatever. I think maybe I'll I'll give it that status. Uh, I'm definitely not going to give it that status. Uh, I said the first thing I said was another joke song to start the album off. I said <laughs> that's bold. This is something that I feel like should be like an intermission or a hidden track or something. While I appreciate some social commentary, it's just kind of weird for this band. For instance, like using Ween as an example, you know that you're from the get go that you're getting a pretty tongue in cheek kind of band. But here we've only had a couple or a few tracks that give this silly kind of goofy vibe off. Um, but it's just not really, it, it's silly, it's kind of fun, but it's overall for me not a highlight. All right. Well, um, we, I think we need a little bit of excitement. Uh, so let's, let's just run right on to run right over to track two, run it. I, I had to include that dragnet drop. I yeah, of course. I I I knew that I'd heard this before, but when I put it on for the first time and got to that, I was like, "Well, my first note on this song is hell yeah." Um, this one <laughs> was uh, was recorded at Blackberry Way um, or earlier in in the year, and um, it's a writing credit to Chris and Paul. Uh, it was about um, a, a wild ride running from the cops. Um, they'd been drinking at Bob Mold's apartment, and um, Chris was driving his motorcycle, and Paul was riding behind him, and and uh, they they ran from some cops trying to pull him over, and uh, basically wrecked the bike, and Chris went to jail. So just you know your your typical uh, replacements uh, fare, perhaps. Um, you know he he got out uh, afterwards, but um, yeah, I I don't have a, a lot of other things to say um, other than uh, than hell yeah, but. Uh, I'm sure, Blake, you probably have something to say. Yeah, I like it way better than track one. Um, there's not a lot to say for me other than it is a good punk rock song, um, of which there may not be a lot of those type of songs on this one. Um, I wonder how I wonder how mad Bob Mould was, though. That's, that's what I really want to know. 
Um, but yeah, when I heard the uh, <laughs> the kind of the little sloppy little dragnet motif there, I I joked um, in our group chat that we should do a pregame topic of best uses of dragnet motif. Um, eagle-eared listeners may remember from my Halloween mix the um, Luna's I got five on it. There's a lyric, something to do with uh, that dum da dum dum. They they kind of yes. oh yeah. They kind of do it vocally. Uh, it's awesome. Anyway, yeah, this this probably a top tier one. Pretty good good energy on this one. Uh, yeah, I said now we're moving. It's and we're moving where I want to go. It's uh it's a little blues rock. It's a little punk. The energy that I like is here. And yeah, the dragnet motif is cool. And there's some great riffs and licks in there, uh, no doubt. While I like the energy, the song isn't really doing a whole lot for me. It's just kind of like some wild bar band kind of, you know, situation. And it, it and that's fine. It's just, but I, I, I think it's maybe upper mid-tier uh, to me. Uh, not one of the, it, it's, it, but it might be one of the better ones on the album. Ooh, that doesn't bode well. <laughs> Upper uh, I I'm right there with you though, Logan. Um, my first thought was it's a spiritual successor to Taking a Ride. You know, on Sorry Ma, the mm. first track is Taking a Ride about driving around. This one feels like it it fits that same vein. Um, but I, my my comment here, and I think this is what you were saying, Logan. It feels kind of substances substanceless to me. Like they're not really saying anything of deep mean. Not that you have to say anything of deep meaning, but like I think that's my problem with a lot of this, uh, as we'll see. Which is, I feel like it just doesn't always feel like Paul has much to say. <laughs> you know, he just sort of repeats things over and over, or doesn't sing at all. Um, and, and I, I feel like that kind of, uh, is one of the problems. It feels a little, uh, bankrupt, I guess, uh, with ideas. Um, Ouch. yeah, but, but I agree with everybody in terms of it's nice that it picks up the pace from the first track, which sort of starts off rough. Uh, and then here we get this one, which really comes out the gate, uh, driving quickly, but, um, I didn't put this one on my list of kind of favorites or anything from this album. I think I, I get what you're saying, um, and I think that this song and uh, the the other kind of song that's the most like what they had been playing. You know, it, it's it's still good and it's still in that style, but you can kind of you can kind of tell that that maybe they're running out of gas of that you know um, of that style um, to 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 mix another vehicle metaphor, um, but. Uh, the next track, I think, is an indication of kind of more the direction that they're going, uh, and it is Color Me Impressed. This one is the one that I I remember the the most from this record. Uh, I I love this song. I I think it's a it's a great uh, kind of as I said indication of of what's to come uh, from this band. 
um, the riffs are, are, are very fluid and melodic and, you know, still very energetic and, and, and quick, but, uh, but, but there's a, there's a sophistication to them. Uh, I think at, at least in that, that, that verse riff, um, the chorus, I don't think maybe is as strong, but I, I do appreciate uh, this here. Um, that high scratchy part um, at the beginning, you know, it's almost like a Tom Morello uh, thing or, or effect that they were doing. I, I didn't didn't hear anything <laughs> about you know about what that was in my reading. Um, but um, this was also the title of a uh, documentary um, uh, interview film that came out about the replacements uh, several years ago. I th- I know it was available on Amazon. At one point, um, I don't know if it's if it still is, but uh, Logan, um, can I color you impressed with this song? <laughs> uh, yes, you can color me impressed with this song. Uh, this one's great. I uh, I feel like this this one would become probably became like a blueprint for like bar bands or college rockers for decades to come. Like that main riff of the, the verses is, is just so good. Like Matt said, melodic, it's just very fluid. It really reminds me of something that I'm having difficulty pinning down. Maybe just a nostalgic kind of feeling in general. Uh, it's familiar to me, but I don't think I've heard it before. Uh, I think this is one of the stronger songs that we've heard so far from from them in a way uh it it doesn't quite have the same kind of frantic energy that i love but it has a different energy to it that i'm kind of like yeah i'm i'm kind of down with this uh so uh there's a a local musician that we all know that i i think had a song uh that reminds me of this um but uh i've never heard this before so yeah a plus from me Oh wow! Do you want to say which local musician it is you're thinking? Wait, who is uh, it? Yeah. Well, it's Corey King. <laughs> oh yeah, he's a big oh, replacement. He, guy, so it, is he? Because Corey he had this song called I, th- I. I don't want to butcher it. I think it's called "Get It Right," and I just I love that song. I um I heard him play it one night at Lindbergh's, and it just blew me away. And I think I got like a a CDR from him, maybe that had that song on it. But it was just really good. And maybe I'm wrong, but I seem to remember it reminding me somewhat of this song. Yeah, he would probably be very happy to hear that. By the way, he loves the replacement, so uh, he would take that as a compliment. I this was one that I uh, I was I was familiar with ahead of time because, uh, as I said, it's on the the greatest hits comp, and and also uh, you know one of my favorite bands ever, Wilco, has covered this one several times live. Um, so that being said. I don't think I like this one as much as I feel like maybe I should. Like, I really I think like this is right up my alley, but I just, for whatever reason, this one has never grabbed me. Now, I don't think it's a bad song by any means. Like, I did not put it, I put this one in the camp of like songs I like, but kind of it feels to me the same way I feel about Kids Don't Follow off Stink, where it's like, it's okay, but. I think I I like some other replacement songs better. Um, I do dig the descending riff, just like you guys talked about, much much cooler than like a, a just a simple three four chord pattern. You know that they're playing this really fairly complex descending riff on bass and guitar. Uh, I have to point out there's some awesome embellishments that Tommy does on bass during that. Uh, Can you stand me on my feet part? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah. 
um it's it's really cool uh the kind of uh i don't know what you would call it but the drums kind of change up there and uh tommy's playing changes up a little bit and it's just it's it's a it's a nice little thing but i don't know i just this one for whatever reason has never been top tier for me just sort of always firmly in the sort of mid-tier category but yeah, so I guess I'm 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 not quite colored impressed. Uh, I'm just sort of uh, colored, uh, you know, whatever whatever mid tier is there. Uh, you color me uh, mid. Color me color. mid. I, I don't I, know. I'm uh, so surprised by that impressed. because like it almost. I, I know. There's like well, a you're Smith, right. It's Smith's one that, kind of vibe to it almost. Like or okay, I, I could I, yeah. You would. I'm right with. I totally understand why you would think that because this is one that I feel like I should like more. But I, it's honestly never been one that I thought like oh, I gotta throw that song on. I really, you know, love that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Blake. What do you think? Um, I think I like it. Um, so far, I like it. This is the one that I like best <laughs> of the th- the three on the album so far. Um, and I, I like that it's more like the poppy or alt punk, uh, of the, some of the best songs that we hear on later albums. It's in that vein. Um, I don't know that I like it as much as some of those songs, but I still like it pretty well. It does have that almost a sound of like, oh, I'm supposed to like this one. And I do. Um, but I'm not, don't color me like overwhelmed with joy but but do do color me moderately impressed um that's a way moderately interested <laughs> color me moderately, moderately interested i did know there's a there's a discordant sounding like instrumental break between the 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 poppy sounding verses that was really cool um i think it's between the first two uh, they just break into this instrumental thing that has a totally different feel uh i like it lyrically and I noted by this point, it, it kind of, I mean, describing where it was recorded and how it, it's kind of modest, but I, I think the production sound is, is getting better, um, at this point. And I, I think it's starting to show just, I, I appreciated a little bit better production and mixing, uh, perhaps yeah, on this record. I would agree that this is one of the best sounding, uh, replacements recordings to, to date, um, uh, I, I don't know if anybody else noticed uh, at, at the very end where he's kind of repeating the color me impressed. Uh, Chris does a couple of kind of double taps on the snare that just, you know, they they sound very, very good and very clear in the mix and, and just really, really kind of brought out um, that uh, that that feeling that I think we're talking about, I, I just uh, you know had to to note uh, note those as well. Um, I, I didn't have the the willpower to not uh, <laughs> note them. Uh, next track is willpower. one uh i i think kind of holds the the johnny's gonna die and uh, and go position on this record um that baseline's so weird um you know it's 
just such a such kind of a dissonant and, and foreboding uh sound um I do think this is a little bit more plotting than than Joe or Johnny, Johnny's gonna die I I don't think it, it works quite as well for me as as those two um I read that it was it was influenced by the psychedelic furs sister Europe sister. I was listening to some songs on shuffle and uh, after I listened to replacements and I noted how much uh, psychedelic furs kind of had some similar kind of motifs. I was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. So maybe there's some kind of weird connection hmm. there. Okay. And and I also got some cure vibes from this, but uh, Josh, uh, what do you, what do you think? What do I think? Uh, so this track surprised me um, because I'd never heard it before, and it's definitely not a kind of barn burner punk song like they usually do. I also noted, Matt, it's a, a continuation in a lot of ways of the sound of Johnny's Gonna Die or Go, the sort of atmospheric dreamier song with some 80s reverb and delay uh you say they're referencing that psychedelic first songs i the first thing i thought was jefferson airplane white rabbit <laughs> the sort <laughs> yeah. of like east vaguely eastern inspired uh sort of part the bass kind of repeating the same notes you know a couple notes over and over again I love that you chose that one clip with the kind of my life, like you can hear him say my life. I, I specifically like in the wanted to wanted to catch that that weird uh, echo. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a nice touch. Uh, my my main issues with this song. So th- this is one I, I would also say I I did like, but you know as I feel like I have to on a lot of these songs say with with a little bit of a caveat because I I do feel it's a little long. You said plotting. I can feel that as well. It almost kind of reminded me of we talked about George Clinton uh, doing Free Your Mind and just sort of being in the studio like, what's this effect do? What's this effect do? Yeah. Like, I wonder if Paul Westerberg, they're in the studio, they're like, hey, throw some more reverb on that. Throw some more reverb. Put some more reverb on that. Um, which sometimes is kind of cool. It, it does kind of give it a nice atmosphere, but it does feel a little drenched. Um, the problem I think I do have with this one mainly is going back to that substance thing you know, Johnny's going to die and go. I feel like there's a real heart at the core of those songs. And this one just doesn't, I feel like have that same heart, you know, it's, it's the ethereal, uh, atmosphere, but without really much substance again, without a, a core to kind of, uh, anchor it. Uh, whereas I feel like go and Johnny's going to die had that, uh, but still, it, it took me by surprise, and I did add it to my kind of column of songs I would definitely go back to um, down the road. And it's not that it doesn't try to go for that heart, though. You know, it's it's very, you know, definitely about something and, and you know, trying to to match that that kind of foreboding, desperate vibe with with all of the all the sounds that that they're making but but yeah you know maybe doesn't achieve it as well as as those other those other songs but uh blake um what do you think well i wrote down finally the matt's first psychedelic song um but it was it wasn't a go or a johnny's gonna die for me the uh the where did that come from track uh is is somewhere else (laughs) that we'll get to um it it is four minutes 23 seconds which is a lifetime in uh in replacements minutes 
And yeah, my biggest note was way too long, especially for a song that kind of does mostly the same thing for the whole time. Um, it's strange. I, I like the strangeness and the, the, the severe delay on the vocal. I did like that. Um, but comparatively to their other stuff, it was a bit boring. The, the chorus part with the stop it, stop it, stop it, stop. That was more interesting to me than the, than the verse part, um, I don't know, maybe it's a song about quitting drugs. I just kind of jotted down my thoughts on on the very uh, uh, cryptic lyrics that many of these have. Um, but I mean, uh, mix-wise, I mean, some cool stuff is going on. Some cool sounds are being made. But I was a bit bored, got to admit. Logan, were you bored? Um, this is some strange energy from the band. Almost the longest almost the longest song on the album. Uh, but what I'm getting, and I'm, is anyone else getting Nirvana vibes? Like I could hear Nirvana covering oh, this yeah. song totally. Bleach. And I feel like, I wonder if Nirvana is a fan of the replacements. Surely. Uh, I think it's yeah, an interesting track. It's a standout, but not necessarily in an interesting way to me. Well, maybe it's, well, maybe it's interesting, but it's just kind of aimless to me. Or they were just excited about experimenting and vocal panning. I, I like the, the lead guitar part, uh, but it's just a mediocre track that gets some points for creativity and trying something new. It's just a bit repetitive for being one of those longer songs in, you know, <laughs> replacement years that Blake spoke of. Uh, but that yell at the end, <laughs> that yell at the end is, is kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. All right. Well, um, we, we heard a little bit of the story, uh, in the history segment. Um, so let's, uh, let's, uh, take us down to the hospital. I would say that this is the one that grew on me the most, um, you know, because obviously it's just it's just that blues riff. But I, I think that they really kind of showcase or or they they're very good at using dynamics and dynamic changes and variations to kind of break up the fact that it is just that, you know, that that straight blues riff. And, um, you know, Paul's personality, I think really comes out in, in the vocals and, you know, the way he delivers the, the vocals, you know, take off your shirt. Uh, um, it, Josh, you were talking, uh, last week about, um, about gimme the loot and how Biggie kind of almost had characters going in. And, and I, I think he, you know, this is kind of a, a, a similar thing where, where Paul is, is, you know, is singing in this, uh, in this affected way that, 
that really fits with the um, uh, with the sound. I mean, yes, it is one one blues riff, uh, but I I think Bob's guitar playing is really on uh, on display uh, here. I love the alternating low octave, high octave of that, uh, and, and then of course um, the uh, in the clean sections uh, that that clean lead is uh, is a lot of fun too. And then he does those blistering uh, uh, trills. But um, I, I I can imagine that that uh, this might be one that's that's tough to like. So uh, Blake, <laughs> um, are we going to to the hospital or are we going to the morgue? Where where are we going? <laughs> No, nothing like that. It's not tough to like. It's really well played, as you said. Um, th- they are almost so good at doing this up-tempo bluesy shuffle that you're a little bit afraid, like, oh, no, what if they become a band that just does this? That that would be kind of uh, uh, kind of gimmicky. Um, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a decent one. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna hear that that quick bluesy shuffle. Uh, we're gonna hear it some more. Um, I thought it, I didn't know the the story behind it. I was like, is is this about a, an OD? I guess I assume the worst. Um, the there's some some shredding from Bob uh, and some really good drumming. Um, I like the already used eight of my lives line. Um, it's just that, yeah, the genre is a little, a little weird. Um, I want to note at the end, uh, I've got blisters on my fingers is uttered. <laughs> blisters on my palms as well. I don't know if that's Chris, but yeah, <laughs> it sounds like, was it Paul that said I got blisters? I can't, or was it Bob? I don't know. Um, more on that later, but yeah, this was an all right one. <laughs> Logan, just- where are we headed? We're heading down to New Orleans, baby. Please don't go. I love you so. <laughs> Sorry, let me take that again. We're heading. We're heading we're down to New Orleans. You know I love you so, baby. Please don't go. That's all this song is. <laughs> baby, please don't go down to New Orleans. Oh, do you guys know this song? Have you heard yes. that song? Is it, uh, who is it? Who is Baby Please Don't well, Go? Is, I, that, is it not them, right? Well, we'll have Maybe to. We'll have to. I, I, I know them. what I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's it's that song, basically. Anyway, all right. It's well, them, yeah. Oh, I thought that was gonna land, but I guess it didn't. Uh, a little too blues rock for my tastes. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. Uh, unfortunately, it's <laughs> it's one of the more interesting songs on the album. It's there's some wild energy here. Also, um, I think they effectively move through some tropes, which I find fascinating and more a testament to maybe their varied musical background or not just being a punk band. Like I get some Iggy Pop Stooges vibes here and there. Um, which I think is cool, but it just doesn't convince me to get into that ambulance, you know, and go down to the hospital, I guess. (laughs) You're not going to save his life. (laughs) Well, we can can cut me singing, baby, please don't go so many times. Jesus. (laughs) I I was just like, I don't think they know what I'm talking about. I must be singing it horribly. And I'm like, I'm trying real hard. I had to think of what you're talking about. Uh, I, this one gave me a lot of uh, I don't know if consternations the word like 
at first I was like, I hate this song. <laughs> and <laughs> I think it did grow on me some. Uh, a lot of the notes I have are similar to what you guys said. Bob Stinson's guitar work is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's so redundant after a while. I think the thing that really gives me the kind of uh, frustrating feel with this is after a while of listening to it, I realized, oh, this is where Jeff Tweedy of Wilco, again, one of my favorite bands, gets a lot of his vocal style. And then I realized this is kind of the same kind of song that early Wilco does, this sort of bluesy, country-esque rocker with just lots of vamping. And so I started to kind of appreciate the more loose, fun aspects of this song. So, I don't know. It's so redundant. It gets kind of, you know, boring after a while, but it also does have a nice energy and and kind of ramshackle fun to it um, that it kind of, I guess, pushes me back into more of a a mid-tier category. Uh, but yeah, still, still not a single song in this album that I could say I unequivocally love (laughs) everything. I feel like I'm like equivocating, (laughs) like, it's okay. It's all right. You know, this is the issue. This one's okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll like the next one. (laughs) Maybe, maybe you will. Uh, we, we should, uh, whirl on over to Mr. Whirly. Copyright claim. We're going to get copyright claimed. Well, uh, the the vibe I get from this is, um, you know, very much kind of capturing maybe their live energy um, onto a uh, onto a song, you know, kind of compressing that that into a a, a song length uh, snippet. Uh, the writing credits on this are listed as mostly stolen. Um, Obviously, uh, that's the guitar uh, initially is playing uh, Strawberry Fields uh, with some, you know, kind of in a in a tuny uh, w- way. Um, the, um, then there's the twist and then there is, uh, Oh Darling, um, with, with some alternate lyrics. Uh, I, I'd read that this is some, uh, kind of about getting the spins, um, you know, be, being in bed and, and, and having the room spinning and, uh, I don't want Mr. Worley to, to follow them home. Um, once again, I think Bob is, is really on display here, but, uh, I, I, I don't really have a lot of notes, uh, on this, uh, this one. It's, it's it's a fun peek into what might be something like the live exp- you know the live replacements experience, but I don't think it's it's something that can be captured uh, in the way that that they did it here. I I do know that the fact that it's just kind of jokey is definitely where their heads were <laughs> during the recording of this. You know they were doing lots of experiments and just different things, and and this was the one you know one of the ones that that happened to to make it to tape, but. Uh, uh, Logan, uh, d- d- dare dare I ask uh, wh- where you're at with with Mr. Worley? Uh, you're you're in the right ballpark of 
saying that they're in like this jokey kind of mood for this album. That really nails it on the head. You know, again, we're moving yes. through these like what is it 50s or 60s blues tropes of you know pop and soul which is you know cool through a punk rock lens but it's just kind of all over the place um i feel like this album is really trying to pay its respects to some kind of nostalgia for for them which is all well and good but they're just not tropes that i'm into or, or find that they're a little played out at that point and kind of surprised that they're even kind of going back to um as i said it's interesting to hear what they're trying to do but it's it's just not as dangerous sounding as what we've heard before it's an adventurous track don't get me wrong but just a little too far from where we've been led so far so it, it, it kind of felt uh fell flat for me yeah so i i kind of teased you know would i like this one uh the answer is no this is not <laughs> one that i like <laughs> I I literally have a note that just says not one I like. Uh it it does, you know, give you a peek into a loose jam session, but it's not doing it for me. Uh that's a no for me, dog. Uh it's uh <laughs> it's just I don't know. It it's 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 nothing I'll listen to again. Yeah. Blake, is he following it, you home? In what universe would would Josh be like? This was amazing. <laughs> this was the one. I don't know. It is a jokey it's a Beatles shoot. parody knockoff. Was incredible. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. It's so. It was so strange to hear. I got blisters on my fingers, leading directly into a bunch of Beatles goofing. <laughs> I wrote. It's like uh, Strawberry Fields Mellotron part shitty version. Um, and just, yeah, it, it is what it is. <laughs> um, it's, they do a fine job of, you know, uh, doing some parody work. Uh, but at, this is the point where I wrote that, uh, well, this is going to sound mean, but I wrote that it's a very, who gives a shit album. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a bit of studio banter on the first record where, uh, Paul screws up and he says, so what? <laughs> and I, that kind of like, so what encapsulates almost this whole record. It seems like this record does have its high points, but there's just that kind of attitude is all, all across this record. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it misses. Cause sometimes a don't care attitude does work. And it, it's sometimes why we love the replacements. But um, yeah, this is like, uh, I, how can I, rank it it's just it's a goof and then it it, it ends with the once again like how else could this end? <laughs> yeah and but, yeah and that's the end of the side uh so that oh wow <laughs> <laughs> right they're 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 going out um going out on, on shtick on on side one and um coming up on side two track one within your reach
it. The, usually every time I, I'm uh, putting clips together, there's there's one song on an album where I just I gotta cut up, you know, get three or four cuts in there because there's there's so many you know good interesting uh, parts and 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 that was was this song on this record. Uh, Peter Jesperson called this a, a signpost song. Um, I guess because there's there's such stripped down instrumentation, you know, and obviously the drum machine is is a choice. It's you know very very atypical to what you'd be used to hearing on a replacements record. Um, I think this is very kind of forward looking to some of the sounds and uh, that that they would get into on on later releases. Uh, the thing that really stuck out to me was the lyrics. Um, never seen no mountain, never swam no sea. Um, you know, more more Midwest uh, themes there. And then uh, I could live without your touch. I could die within your reach. Uh, just you know, very 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 serious Paul here. You know, in 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 a sea of of um, of joke songs and 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 silly yeah. covers. You know, this is kind of a um, a, a whip back to to kind of a more earnest uh, feel that, that we also get from their placements. But uh, Josh, um, is it within your reach to enjoy this song? Uh, it, it is. Uh, this was one that I remember back. So I knew this one ahead of time because it's it's kind of the, one of their bigger songs. And I I remember reading uh, "Our Band Could Be Your Life," that book about the '80s alternative scene. And there's a chapter on the replacements, and in that book. Um, Michael Azerod talks a lot about the the author of the book, how uh, Within Your Reach was sort of the the breakthrough song or whatever for early replacements. And I remember when I listened to it at that time, which this was probably, you know, 10 years ago now, I did not really like it at first. I think it kind of wore me down after a while and grew on me and uh, I have to say, listening to it this time, it sounds so fresh in the context of this album, where so far there hasn't been a song that I really latched on to too much. Um, that being said, this is still not one that I would say is like one of my favorites ever or anything of their catalog, but it's definitely my favorite on this album so far. Uh, I love just the layered guitars. There's just <laughs> guitar after guitar with effect on it, uh, and then the sort of synth strings and drum machine are interesting. Um, it by one criticism is it is a little repetitive. Like it's it gets to be you know the same two kind of chords over and over again. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the melody hooks me on this one, and I I dig it. Uh, I do want to also say this is the most played song on Spotify from this album. So this is the one that people tend to know the most. But yeah, I, I agree with those people. I, I think it's a good one. Blake, what do you think? Um, I can dig it all right. But yeah, it, it did have to grow on me a bit. Because um, at first it was just, this is the, where the hell did that come from track on here? Obviously, because it's just like, okay, that cheesy uh, drum machine. Um, it almost shouldn't work, but it kind of does. Um, I, I can kind of see where, um, trying to do a live drum beat, uh, in their style to this maybe wouldn't work (laughs) or it would make an entirely different type of song. Um, but it is, yeah, the, the, the sequence is, is repetitive. You, you can tell when someone's not familiar with with a drum machine because you, you're pretty much just going to get one pattern that it is pretty dry across the whole thing. That's what we get, what we get here. Um, it's the soft, the softer, gentler mats that we haven't heard much of 
before, except maybe Johnny's going to die. Um, I noted just how drenched in, in flange that guitar is. Um, and this one was recorded just by Westerberg, right? Did you say that? Yeah, this is, uh, from from what I've read, this is a Blackberry Way, Westerberg uh, solo production. Yeah. It definitely sounds more like Westerberg solo than it than it sounds like a replacement song that belongs on this uh, this record. You know, the the chorus is pretty. Uh, I like it. I like it pretty well. Uh, which that you know that's kind of a new thing for them having a pretty chorus. Um, but again, it is long. Uh, I. Also, I, I kind of like the uh, the the synth strings. Even they're they're verging on being cheesy, but uh, so, somehow this one works. Yeah, Logan, what do you think? I'm disappointed to find out that this is one of their breakthrough or more w- listened to songs. <laughs> like this is totally like B side material to me. It's, I mean, it's it's a mediocre track. The the drum machine sounds really out of place to me. Obviously, uh, I love the phase or the flange um, that they have on the on the guitar, um, and the synth part, Blake, like you said, it, it, it's it's not a bad touch. It is the longest on the album, which isn't a problem for me necessarily, um, but they instantly lose that kind of energy with the addition of the drum machine, which I love drum machines. And I feel like people argue like, well, as soon as you uh, add a drum machine, it loses all the soul or whatever of a human. And I think other bands like Kraftwerk or Nine Inch Nails have shown otherwise that they can be incorporated and still have a human uh, feel to it. Um, But uh, yeah, it's just kind of a head scratcher that I didn't I did not care for, I guess. (laughs) Well, and you were you were talking about the the artificial element for for me, kind of the the juxtaposition of that extremely artificial drum machine, and then uh, especially that that very last clean guitar. So I don't know if you'd call it a solo or 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 an outro. Um, kind of how that's very human and emotional, and kind of pairing that with uh, with with that. Uh, that very static drum machine, um, you know, that that tension kind of is 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 something that that's interesting that that's going on uh, with with this track. Um, we've been traveling around. Um, we've been going to the hospital, uh, and now we're going to go skiing. We're, we are going to go to Buck Hill. Hill, um, you could be forgiven for thinking that it might refer to Peter Buck of REM, but it in fact <laughs> refers to a uh, a ski slope area near Minneapolis. Um, 
the production on this is so interesting. You know, it's so clean, and and I've seen it called surf, which I, I guess you know, I, maybe it's kind yeah. of ski surf. Um, I, I don't believe that that Bob is is on this. Um, it is uh, credit writing credit to Chris Paul and Tommy. This is another song where we hear the outline of a future song. Um, if you've heard "Kiss Me on the Bus" on Tim. Uh, a, a lot of those bones are are present here. Um, I think mm. it's fun. It's real short. It's it's in and out. Um, it it reminds me a lot of um, shadowy men on a shadowy planet. Uh, if if oh. any uh, kids in the hall fans are out there, the the kids in the hall theme song. Um, I, I think that they do that that vibe better than than this. But but that was the the vibe uh, that I got. But. Um, uh, Blake, um, are are you ready to go skiing? I'm ready to go surfing. Is what I'm ready to do. Yeah, I definitely, <laughs> definitely got surf. I didn't make the kids in the hall connection, but yeah, I I do hear that. Um, this is one that I. This is probably one of my top tier ones from the album, even though it's just a little instrumental. Um, and I didn't make the kiss me on the bus connection, but I do hear some of the melody now that you say that. Um, I really like the guitar lick, that clean guitar lick. Of course, I, I love a good instrumental break too. Um, it's not completely instrumental technically. There, they do. I think shriek Buck Hill at some point, and then there's some incomprehensible yelling and moaning. I was kind of wondering what that was, um, but not not a lot to say. I just I enjoyed it. It's the B fifty twos. Okay, that's true. I. I like this one, um, but yeah, this so we, we're getting this kind of a uh, cool, breezy, surfy, mostly instrumental, but it, we, we're kind of getting the B-52s type of vibe. But also after that part, it goes into the kind of strummed parts, and that's when I get modern, Eng- is it modern English, uh, Melt With You? Uh, I'll stop. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's like the same. I don't know where in relation they might be modern English after this album at some point. So I don't know where they are in the timeline of things. But uh, maybe. Yeah. uh, I love the yells that they do. But the the one that lasts really long kind of sours it for me. It's just kind of like a little cringy. It's just like over that that little line of like uh, of being too long. It's like it could have been a little bit shorter. <laughs> That's just a nitpick. Um, I think they could have done more with this. And you said that they switched up their playing because I do feel like this isn't very tight in a way that I they were on the first album. I kind of feel like it's it's a kind of a looser. I don't know. No, that was just Hoot and Nanny that they switched. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the title track. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I got a different, different Athens band. I, I'm, I agree. REM. I mean, I even thought it was definitely a homage to REM at first because I read it as Buck Mill, <laughs> and uh, you know Buck Mills. <laughs> you know Peter Buck and Mike Mills of of REM. <laughs> Um, and I was listening to it, I'm like, man, what REM songs it remind me of? It reminds me of an REM uh, B-side called White Tornado that's from Dead Letter Office. And I'm going to play a second of that so you can hear that. Yeah. 
it's, it's not good. exactly the same or anything, but it's it's a similar like surf rock vibe, you know. Um, and so I I dig it as a like great lost REM song, and I agree with Logan about the shouts. I think those are fun when everybody shouts Buck Mill or Buck Hill. See, I'm still saying Buck Mill. <laughs> uh, Buck Hill. You heard Buck Mill. But uh, yeah, so it, it is fun. Um, yeah, I guess that's all I got to say about it. I don't really have much else. I just <laughs> I just could not not hear REM the whole time um, <laughs> with it. Well, um, if you're done skiing, you know you might be looking for some companionship uh, there at the ski lodge. And uh, being 1982-83, you might pick up the personal ads and uh, look at some love lines. Hey, Ellen. Mark says hi. What else can I say? I love you very much. I'm glad we're together. Miss you a lot. Love kitten. Oh yeah, oh yeah, kitten. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Look at lizards lying under tanners, under doral fix, waiting for the return of the crawling king snake, John Lee. Uh this is another um kind of genre exercise. Um, it's, uh, the lyrics are taken almost verbatim from, uh, the pages of, uh, city pages, which was a, uh, a Minneapolis newspaper, um, writing credit to all four mats plus quote CP readers. Um, apparently this was a rework of a song called looking for ya. And, and I, I actually went, went and listened to that and I, I, I think I like this a lot better. I think they did well because it was it was kind of more of a uh, crunchier, rockier sound, and and um, you know I, I think this has a lot of charm. You know, again, it's like these guys can really play. You know, they're 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 showing off here that that they've got stylistic range um, that maybe some other punk bands might not have. Uh, my first note was okay, this is fun. Um, I think it's Paul. Um, at his most playful, uh, vocally, you know, he, he puts a lot of, a lot of personality into him, you know, male hormones, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, really stuck out, uh, to me. So I, I think this is, um, this is fun. It's, it's silly and, and fun, you know, maybe not a, a great, you know, rock and roll anthem, but, uh, but it definitely fits the, fits the vibe of the record. But, um, Logan, what, what did you find in your newspaper personal ad love lines? Uh, I cut it out of the newspaper and then I hung it up on the wall (laughs) and then I got a dart and then I, uh, circled it and then I, you know, started throwing the dart, chucking the dart at it. Um, man, they're just all about that being goofy on this album. Uh, I like goofing, but I'm just finding myself rolling my eyes. Like, I feel like they're really close to Brian Setzer Orchestra jump jive and whale territory or some weird rockabilly (laughs) jingle. I don't know. They aren't reaching me on this one. I think I'm annoyed by the overly playful vibe on this album, honestly. Like, in... I like fun, but I don't know. This is just too. Uh, we're already getting like doses of that with the the live takes, and um, I don't know. I think it's just a little over the top, and it kind of loses me and takes me out of like what was drawing me to them in the first place. It's like, well, who's this? Like, you know, I I love that they're able to kind of. Uh, put on these different shirts or you know these different suits of 
or, or <laughs> faces of, of of genres. Like that's cool, um, but I, they seem to kind of be going back to this like bluesy kind of well that I'm just like, ah, oh, do something else. If you're not going to do punk, do something. I don't know. That's just me though. How did you feel, Logan, about the uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, kitten part? I wasn't a fan of it. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> really? I, oh man, I I thought for sure you would have loved the like the kitten. Oh yeah, oh I, I yeah, kitten. Why I, would the, you think way, I would Sensor, like that? Listen, same reason that last uh, album. I thought you would, <laughs> would sing "Goddamn Job." <laughs> I I apparently uh, I don't know. There's no. sometimes I hear a vocal thing. Is like, he calling Logan some wo- like Is he calling some woman a kitten? Because like, ugh, well, he's know. reading off the the love that. lines thing. <laughs> I think um, I think the note is from kitten. Oh, is yeah. it okay? It's. It's it's found found lyrics. Uh, well, speaking of found lyrics, and speaking of REM, this this does similar to another REM B side. There's on that same B side comp. There's a there's an REM song um, called "Voice of Harold" that is a a song they would do later, but it's just Michael Stipe vamping by reading the liner notes off a gospel album, and it really reminded but- me of that of somebody just kind of reading something <laughs> uh, with the music. But uh, I, I found it fun. I, I liked all the kind of uh, I, I dug the oh yeah oh yeah kitten part um, at the beginning of the song. Did anybody else hear? It sounds like he's snorting coke and smoking or something. Did you guys hear that? Uh, There's like weird noise at the beginning no. where he's like sniffling a lot, and it sounds like inhaling or something. Um, Maybe he had a cold. It definitely sounds like he's doing some drugs at the beginning of this song, which that tracks, you know, with the rest <laughs> of it. Uh, and also, I, I have to appreciate a song that ends with a citation, you know, the last the last lines yeah. of him citing his source. <laughs> he's like, you know, C- CP Volume 2, 1981, like he cites his source. Uh, so I have to appreciate that. Blake, where do you fall in Love Lines? Uh yeah, it's 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 fun enough. Um, not a not a great song for the ages, but uh, I could enjoy hearing them have some fun. Uh, at first I thought I was like, what is he reading out of a penthouse or something? Um, but then I realized I, I get you know back then I guess the the newspaper was just you know the the craigslist or the tinder or any filthy thing on the internet was basically it uh i guess it was just in the newspaper um i i wrote down the whole oh yeah oh yeah kitten because it's so wild to me that uh an improvisational lyric they just decided to add this really weird like vocal tuning effect to it i'm not sure what was done um some kind of pitch effect is on there uh and it sounds kind of cool um I like I didn't hear snorting. I did hear a uh, page ruffling as he's turning the pages at the end. Josh I tried also to noted that Josh uh, tried to drum up <laughs> kind of <laughs> conspiracy yeah, behind the page ruffling. He's just turning the pages. I like the part where he can't read the uh the paper and asks for the light to be turned up. <laughs> and that that's around the same time where um Josh was so tickled by the um by the Minnesota accent uh, on the first one. And there's, 
I, I feel like there's several instances of that on this album, including Paul stumbling over some line about uh, applying the male hormone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that part doesn't fail to make me laugh. Um, there's, in addition to the original version of this, there's an alternate take of Love Lines where he's just reading different ads. <laughs> so you can hear that on the deluxe version as well if you want. I, I saw but, that uh, there was an alternate version. I've not checked it out yeah. yet. but it's just, it's just different. It's just reading different ones. But, you know, it, it, it's okay. I don't know why, but it has Twin Peaks energy to me. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> I don't get that. Yeah, what? I don't know. Well, you know, kind of jazzy, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the, the the pedal I, pink. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining David Lynch reading, like, personal ads now while, like, Angelo Where's... on Olympic Day plays, you know? <laughs> Where's the what, uh, what the hell? Yeah, we need the what the hell. <laughs> oh, yeah, the need male the hormone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Josh, I'm sorry to say, you lose. This is one that I always liked. I, I remember it from uh, remember it from this this record, um, kind of in the more comp- replacements compilation rotation uh, for me at least. Um, I love the, uh, the the attitude on. Well, in that case, uh, on that that intro vocal, um, the the dissonant guitar chord verse um, is is kind of interesting. the uh, The winners losers part doesn't get me as much i feel like it's very similar to the um the the chorus in in run it where they're talking about garfield linfield run it um just kind of a, a very similar uh, vocal melody uh not since rattlesnake have we heard such a scream there's a scream uh in the middle that 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 really uh really stands out and, and breaks the rhythm um Credit to uh, all four replacements uh, on the writing of this, uh, and then yeah, this this one you know is definitely kind of one of those earlier uh, punk songs that, that that showed up here. But uh, but I always liked it. Um, Josh, uh, as I said, y- you you lose. W- what do you think? I I do think that this would be a fun one to play at like sporting events when. Uh... When you know the end of the game, like just blast <laughs> this over the PA. I wonder how the other team would feel. <laughs> just really rub uh, it in. It is, it is interesting, by the way, that this is like we've returned to normal replacements now because <laughs> there's literally like four tracks in a row that are just like, what are they yep. doing? You know, like Mr. Whirly within your reach, but like now we're back to oh, okay, now this is the same band that made Sorry Ma again. Um, it fits with that vibe. Uh, I love the riff, uh, the guitar and bass playing that riff together, the little run, you know, the did it, 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 like it's, it's cool. Uh, it's tight. Um, I also have to point out, this is the, actually the least played track on Spotify on this album. 
Uh, so this is the one huh, that's a crime of within your reach. Uh, so this dumb. is the other side of that. Not the last track, surprisingly. Usually, yeah, it's I the figured last it'd be the track, last one. But it's it's uh it's it's near that. Uh, but I, I liked you lose. Uh, maybe not my favorite, but I I thought it was good. Yeah, I wrote down punk, uh, cause it's it's punk again. It's ba- back to being one of the uh small handful of of punk rock type songs on here. Um, I thought it was fairly sounds cool, fairly decent punk track. Um, I noted the line. Uh, I think he says winners looters. Winners, Losers, Kodachrome. I don't know <laughs> if that's uh, a Paul Simon reference or just a film stock reference, but <laughs> that stood out. Or or Genius.com was incorrect. Um, but yeah, it partially because of what comes after it, maybe it doesn't stand out all that much, but I, I, I think it's fine. Logan, you lose. W- what do you think? Like you also lost just to <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm fine with losing on this one. This this one kind of rocks. Uh it almost gives me like thrash metal vibes with those riffs. The guidin guidin doon doon. Uh the the energy I know and love is here. But somehow again they're managing to make me feel like they're pulling one over on me or acting in some sense. It's it's over before I get a feel for it and i would say it's close to holding up to that sorry ma era but somehow it's still kind of empty to me i i do enjoy it and i think it's probably one of the better tracks on the album um definitely the it's like oh yeah they're back but there's still just kind of something to it where i'm just like man they're really pulling one over on me or something um but yeah the 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 riff <laughs> That riff is the is the main draw for me. Well, uh, I I think we're we're done losing, and um, indeed, I think that it's time for us to start winning because we are in our heyday. <laughs> I don't have a lot of notes uh, on this. Um, I really, really, um, this song really drew uh, drew me to it. Um, I, I think it's it's kind of an embryonic, uh, anthemic thing that they do that that they haven't maybe done uh, up to now because it's still that 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 punk sound and that punk attitude, but um, but there there's more. You know, it, it's it's a major key song and and they're really kind of working that um that one to five chord progression that i i, I think we'll see uh show up um elsewhere uh down the line with them uh i've seen several folks note uh the times aren't tough uh their tedious line i think that's that's very clever um i i think the sound and the vocal melody and and the way that he sings is very evocative of the subject matter of the song, you know, it, it feels like, it feels like nostalgia for, for the, for your halcyon, you know, 
uh, days of, of, of youth. And, and I, I think that if you're going to do that, you can do it badly and have it not work. But I, I think it works here uh, for me at least. But uh, Blake, um, d- does this bring you uh, uh, feelings of, of youth past? Uh, it maybe it brings me back to my heyday a, l- a little bit of uh, back when I could drum a bit tighter and faster. Um, yeah, so so more punk uh, in a similar vein of as previous track uh, with with good energy. Um, I did think it was interesting that I think the title heyday is like not spelled the same as the term heyday is actually spelled H E Y. Uh, which it wouldn't shock me, but I, I could be wrong on that. Um, it is almost shocking how many of these tracks have lyrics that sound like they could be, could have been improvised. And, um, this is another one, uh, that they seem to be, I know there are other lyrics, but many of these songs, they're just kind of saying the title a lot. I mean, Hootenanny, um, will, willpower to some extent, uh, Buck Hill, you, you lose, lose and heyday, <laughs> just the title a lot. Um, so things blend together and it, it gets a bit repetitive. Um, but it's it's a good mid mid tier rocker with good energy, I think. So I was really hopeful for this one at the start, but I'm I'm just while they're strumming on the four bar blues i'm bumming on the four bar blues undertones uh it's it's more of a me problem i love the heavier parts it's not super strong though to me it's like b-side material uh it's too sloppy and loose for my in my opinion um i'm really it makes me really miss tracks like taking a ride or kick your door down um it doesn't quite land for me or it doesn't stick out to me in any kind of way so yeah i'm just kind of like my on heyday so i i had two misconceptions with this song first i thought it was called hate it for a long time until i looked at the title i thought he was saying hate it that's what it kind of sounded like to me. The other one is, so I will at least once when we're listening to these albums, I will listen to the album in backwards order just to, not like literally reversed, but like <laughs> track 12, I'll play first and then 11, you know, because I want to I want to make sure I'm not like always thinking by the time we get to the last track, like, oh, I'm tired of this one. Um so what that requires on Spotify, I mean, I could put them in a queue, is I just click on each one individually. And I thought I had clicked on this one, but I guess I hadn't. So I went and started doing something else, and Spotify started playing Taken a Ride. Uh, but I didn't realize that. I thought they were playing this song, and I kept going, man, this song really references Taken a Ride. Like, I literally was going to go put my notes like, <laughs> heyday, they, they really reference Taken a Ride. Then I realized at the chorus, I'm like, oh, this is Taken a Ride, and then went and looked. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm dumb. Wow. I thought this was just, they were doing the same thing again. Uh, but maybe that speaks a little bit to how I feel about some of these songs at a certain point. They kind of start to to run together a little bit um i don't know i'm not a matt i know i talked to you last week and you seem really big on heyday but i i don't love it i think as much as that 
I think it's decent. Um, I actually wrote down as well, uh, Blake, lyrically bankrupt. <laughs> I wonder if Paul was running out of things <laughs> to say mean, on this album. Yeah, it's fair. Because Love Lines, Hoot Nanny, how many songs are just him saying the same yeah. stuff over and over again? <laughs> like he doesn't have many lyrics. Um, improving. Yeah, improving. Like, what do we got? We got a, a copy of the newspaper here. I'll read out of that. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, by pure virtue of it just being repeated so many times, I think that the heyday line gets stuck in your head, but I, I, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite at all. Well, we, we've reached the end of, uh, of the journey. Um, but we still have a little ways more to go. Uh, we, we gotta, we gotta get to some treatment. We are treatment bound. This was actually recorded uh, at the Stinson basement. I get a big faces vibe from this song. You know, obviously it's a very, you know, kind of standard um, one, four, five, you know, rock and roll or, or blues um, progression. And, and I think if you're going to do that, uh, you have to nail it and, and, and distinguish yourself with lyrics and production and attitude. And, and I think that they achieved this here. I mean, yes, it sounds like it was recorded with, you know, um, limited equipment in a basement, but um, I think that's part of the charm. Um, the lyrics are, are really the, the, um, the star here, you know, Paul called it the, the ballad of the replacements. Um, you know, the, uh, the world from town to town, Duluth uh, to Madison, um, I love the uh, getting nowhere as quick as we know how, you know, kind of that, uh, you know, they, they were they were on the upswing, but uh, there was a lot of, you know, kind of uncertainty and and uh, and apprehension kind of accompanying that for, for the band. And I, I think that's kind of what they're um, what, what they're getting at uh, with, with this. Um, the nose full from our so-called friends, you know, that that's just a great, a great lyric. But um, I, I was prepared to not like this song when I heard it. But as um, "Take Me Down to the Hospital" did, th this one grew on me uh, a little bit as well. I think it's a fun kind of closing track that that again is is very um, very well well suited and well placed uh, in the overall uh, feel uh, of the record. Uh, Logan, um, are are you treatment bound? Um. You know, I'm I'm kind of with you, Matt. I usually am not interested in this kind of song, but they've worn me down. I think on this album at this point, <laughs> in their in their overall just like jokiness, that I I do kind of enjoy it for what it is. Its production really grinds my ears a bit, but for such a strange all over the place kind of an album, this works kind of as a closing track for me. Yet, why not just re-record re the song and get it right 
rather than posture by saying, eh, fuck it. It just seems a little ham-fisted and awkward. Like, obviously, they could have done a better take of that if that was just in their basement. They could have recorded that again, but chose not to. And it's it's almost just like uh, this cavalier kind of attitude that, I don't know, I wouldn't be able to release something like that. It just seems like they're not care attitude has seeped into their music making process for this album i don't know that's just me but i do kind of like it i i i uh agree with pretty much everything <laughs> everybody said uh i i think logan they still have that I, I wonder how comfortable they are with with trying to do different things because i feel like sometimes they are putting on this role like okay we still got to be the young punks we were and and that means not giving a shit when we play <laughs> like you know we we can't yeah. be too sincere we got to be like ah oh, fuck it we finished uh, the way he actually in this song says "get shit face drunk," like it sounds like Johnny yeah. Rotten or something, like putting on an affect, you know. Um, Matt, you said faces. I I heard Rolling Stones. In fact, I pulled a clip here. I I I heard Rolling Stones country honk, but recorded on a shittier device. So this is <laughs> this is country honk a little bit, so you can hear what I'm saying. So it feels like they're doing their version of that Rolling Stones song uh, with the lyrics about, you know, the ballad of, of the replacements. And uh, it is it has got a nice charm to it. I I do appreciate the, the tune. Solid melody, solid ideas. Um, but yeah, it just sort of falls apart at the end. And I, I agree, Logan. I'd like to hear a, a re-recorded version of this. Um, or maybe that's missing the point. Maybe... Maybe the whole point is just to be like a, hey, we're sitting around in the basement just kind of messing around sound. I don't know. Hey, Matt, did you, you didn't say this, but at the end he says, take it, Scotty. <laughs> Who is Scotty? Is he? I, I don't know. I I don't know if that <laughs> was just kind a, of, a joke it's, name it's or a reference to something. Yeah. I'm I had sure no what. idea. And then is somebody says like, oh, you fucked that one up <laughs> or something like. At the end. And that's the end of the album. So yeah, it just sort of falls apart, which is appropriate for this album. Um, just sort of falling apart at the end. Fell apart at the beginning and it falls apart at the end. <laughs> well, I, uh, I learned via the deluxe edition that a studio recorded version of this does exist and i should uh drop a bit of it here in post It's much much more overtly country and and clean and less fucked up, and it has a guitar solo. So a bold and interesting and strange choice to use the uh, basement record like tape recorder version when they did have a professional recording of this. Um, they chose to go with the one that ends the album on you know Paul saying I fucked up those chords, but. Um, I do appreciate that this is one of the few songs on here that has lyrics that are definitely not improvised, that are well thought out. To me, it, this song signals that the bender 
that was Hootenanny is now over, and it's time to sober up. Um, yeah, at first I was like, uh, was this recorded in a tin can? But uh, then I read about the thing being recorded into a boombox or how, however it was done in the Stinson basement. But I, I thought it was a decent decent track to close on. Um, and maybe that's just lyrically and, and melodically. As far as production-wise, I don't, I don't know what, what the right decision was. Uh, I'd be interested to know more about why they chose to use this versus... They probably chose to use this versus the polished studio version of it because it fits the, as Logan spoke to, there truly is a who gives a shit vibe to all of Hootenanny. And this just fits it better. But uh, I think it's a pretty decent closer. All right. Well, we have uh, reached the time where we're going to close out uh, this record. We're, we got to treatment and we're, we're ready to, uh, to pass along our final thoughts. So this this album to me sounds like the sound of a band going through a, a transition process, kind of trying to figure out what they're gonna do. There's there's the brief blast of punk rock that we got on the last two efforts, but also some songs that point in a new direction. Uh, overall, kind of a mess. Uh, befitting its name, it's an album that sounds less like a coherent album and more like a compilation of outtakes and B sides. Some of those are winners and some are not. Uh, I realize this is almost like a good roadmap starting point for the Replacements album. You can listen to it and go, all right, you liked Run It? Go check out Sorry Ma. You liked uh, Color Me Impressed? Go check out Let It Be and Tim. Like It can point you in the direction of the, the replacements you like. Um, all that being said, there's a, there's a ramshackle charm to this record. The the sound of guys being dudes, dude be dudes being guys in a practice space. Um, and if that sounds like fun, then check it out. But if you're looking for a unified package, I would look elsewhere. I I think as an album, Sorry Ma is better uh, on a song by song basis. I think I end up kind of liking this one a little better. Uh, as far as like individual songs, but it just doesn't hold up as any sort of unified piece. Uh, so for me, I liked about seven of the 12 tracks, which gives me around a 58%. So I'm going to just kind of round that up a little bit and say three out of five rides to the hospital. Uh, I'm, I might have, this is not usually how it goes, but I might've enjoyed this one slightly less than the first two. Um, but it's hard to say because the, like the the amount of songs is so all over the place. The first one had too many songs. The second one had too few. And uh, I guess this is a good happy medium. But anyway, overall, I may have enjoyed the song slightly less. The production, I think, was slightly better. I like that that improved. Um, I didn't like that there were there's no equivalent of of go on the. <laughs> on this song i I think i would have liked that the closest thing to go for me was uh within your reach but it still wasn't go i miss go is what i'm trying to say basically but new stuff is is being tried maybe too much of the shuffly blues but i do appreciate that stuff is being tried um by my math there were uh 4.5 punk rock songs out of 12 songs i saw a review of this that called it just plain fun and i think in a way that is true and it seemed like they were definitely having fun 
I hope they enjoyed themselves. Um, no, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that that may have led to the uh, so what, who cares vibe to the entire thing, which which does work for replacements sometimes, as I've said. Sometimes it's why we love them. But at by the end of this album, I think I'm ready for them to to start giving a shit. Um, and I, I would argue that in future, some, some of the future stuff they do, um, but still this album has its, has its highlights for me. Anyway, I didn't, I ended up giving it three G strings and pedal pink <laughs> out of five. That's from the, uh, love lines. <laughs> uh, Logan, what do you think? Yeah, this, this album is a strange and eclectic release from a band that I'm not fully familiar with yet. So while I love the idea of trying new things and trying different genres, this one seemed a little too cavalier, in my opinion, to, as we've said, I don't give a shit, I don't care. That's the vibe I'm getting. Uh, some songs have great produc- production, while others have not so great um, this leaves me with the feeling that it's not so much a cohesive album, but a B-side compilation with a few interesting tracks. There's also a live feel to it kind of sprinkled in that makes it seem like not an album. I also really don't care for the almost board game-like album cover design and the insinuation of some kind of <laughs> kitschy throwback. And also, I have a big problem with the font they use for their their name because it's very, very similar, if not directly lifted from the Stranglers. Uh, I feel like the replacements oh. are just like trolling everyone with this album. Like, I feel like they could have taken some songs from Stink and some songs from this and combined it to make a really cohesive, good second album. Um it just didn't really land for me. And I find myself wanting more of the energetic punk vibe with some experimenting here and there, but this seems like a weird comp album of sorts. Sorry, Ma was more focused, uh, and balanced released, and it was still fun and goofy, but more consistently wild and dangerous. But this leaves me scratching my head. It seems kind of wimpy in a way as a sophomore release, uh, I think I would have been disappointed at the time as a fan, but they get points for vari- variance and adventure, though. So, I, I don't know. I liked about, and I thought I was generous here, I, th- I liked six out of the 12 songs, which lands me at 50%, or 2.5 board games you aren't into playing. <laughs> Josh, I, I also have down that I, I think this is a record of a band in transition, um, I, I think that they're trying to, you know, they're in the process of becoming something more than a punk band. Um, a, Paul mused about this record that, quote, we write songs, not riffs with statements. And, and that was kind of in reference to their, you know, the place and 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 their, their position within the hardcore scene um, of that time. Um, and and I, I think that this album is evidence of them, you know, really trying to try different things in pursuit of achieving that ideal. Um, they're kind of on the ebb of their, like of their initial kind of out of the gate prime punk energy, but they're still in the process of developing and figuring out what their sound would become. 
um, on, on subsequent releases. Um, you know, indeed, there are the bones of you know future songs on, on this record. Um, I, I think within your reach is the best song on the album, but it, it it even sounds unfinished, and there's you know there's false starts and and and, and missed cues. Um, but I, I I think that um, that this is their their silliest record. And and I think that that's exactly how they wanted it. You know, again, Josh, I, I agree that this this very much has the energy of guys having fun making a record. You know, playing silly jokes and and uh, luckily no loogie fights, but but uh, but 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 you know, switching instruments and and really, you know, putting out something and and not being not being afraid to uh, to take a risk and do a almost a, a, a stray cats number. Um, for, for me, uh, I liked eight out of the 12 songs, um, which would put me at 66%. Um, I'm going to round up and, and give them uh, three and one half uh, newspaper personal ad pages. If anybody ever tried to start a loogie fight with me, they would no longer. Oh, be no. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, that, no, we're no. fucking done. <laughs> Not acceptable. Uh, do we want to do uh, superlatives? Yeah. Oh, I get to lead us off. Oh shit. Okay, this is a hard one, man. I don't know if there is a a yeah. clear banger uh, on the album. I was thinking, you know, there's. There's there's color me impressed, which I had my problems with, but is ultimately a pretty rockin' riff driven song. I liked Within Your Reach, but it's not what I would think of as a traditional banger, you know? You wouldn't put it on to get the party going. Uh I'm gonna go within your reach. it's the one I would play from the album, I think, the most. So I'm going within your reach. Oh, okay. <laughs> Matt? Uh, well, Josh, um, I, I do think that Color Me Impressed uh, is the banger. Um, there, there are certainly other candidates, um, you know, other songs that might rock harder, but I, I'm just stuck on on how good that that riff and that vocal line is. I'm I'm glad Josh also felt kind of the same way because when it came time to do superlatives, I kind of panicked, <laughs> and I was like, "Is this the bangerless album?" Um, but yeah might be i i thought of i considered buck hill for for a minute but uh, i'm gonna say col- color me impressed but it's it's between that and within your reach but yeah within your reach not very bangery so color me uh yeah definitely color me impressed oh wow that's that's a lot of banger consensus we, we i ruined always, the okay. consensus we always see that um what are we not sleeping on don't sleep on me uh, I st- <laughs> I said don't sleep on Treatment Bound. I liked it. Came at the end, mm-hmm. which is usually the place that, as we all know, I, I tire of an album. Uh, but I liked Treatment Bound. I, I found it kind of fun. I, I definitely agree with you, Josh. That was a contender for me. But uh, I, I can't. You can't sleep on on you lose. I just love that energy. They won't let you sleep on it. I said, uh, don't sleep on Buck Hill. Don't forget about that little instrumental there. Uh, I'll say this. I basically agree with Matt and Blake on this. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I guess I would probably say Buck Hill. Um, 
but you lose is also really good. So if I had to, if I could cheat and have two, those are the two I would have. Skip it. Are we going to have I'm, uh, I'm going daily going. quadruple on skip it? <laughs> I don't know. There's quite a few skip it's, uh, as I think we oh, all agree. Uh, yeah, we're not going to agree on this one. But I, I'm going to go Mr. Whirly. I find Mr. Whirly the, mm. the one that I, I would very much skip. Josh, I would also skip Mr. Whirly. Okay, I, I almost said willpower, but I... 100% am agreeing with Mr. Whirly. I'm not saying that just to jump on a bandwagon. <laughs> we don't need it. Oh, man. I I would gladly skip Mr. Whirly. Like, I'm in agreement with you guys on that, but over Hootenanny? I would clearly... Uh, <laughs> Hootenanny, I would skip the shit out of that song. Yeah, I, Hootenanny's kind of a, a one and done. Uh and uh, finally, um, what are we covering? Come on, baby, cover me. Oh, man. I changed my cover so many times, <laughs> like, just thinking about it. Uh, but I think I got to go with Love Lines. No, I'm kidding. Um, oh, <laughs> we'd all sit around talking about hormones. How, uh, hormones. <laughs> <laughs> um, hormones. I did wonder, do they ever play that live? Because, like, how does that work? Yeah. Um, I I think I'm going to go with willpower. I feel like it would be a oh. fun, spacey time. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that uh, a really fun, kind of crunched-up version of, of Buck Hill is out there for the taking. I say we all switch up instruments oh, <laughs> and cover Buck Hill. I also said Buck Hill. Hey, uh, I I think the clear choice here is color me impressed. That's what most sounds like us. Like I'm okay. utterly shocked that we yeah. all did not like come to consensus on uh, color me impressed. <laughs> on I would have put me all impressed. my money yeah. in the poker game that you all would have <laughs> loved that song. I mean, Logan, do you remember playing poker wrong. with me back in the day? It was oh I was no, I remember the hell out of people because they could never. I remember out what I was doing. I almost said something earlier. I'm like, hey, it's just like how you play poker, but I didn't. <laughs> It's it's chaos. It's, it's just neutral chaos. chaos. <laughs> Color me impressed. Uh, like that sounds category. like something category. we would easily do, and it's so catchy, and it's that's just true. such a great riff, like in fun. You're not like, It wrong. blows my mind that wrong. you guys would. I agree. It's definitely a. I would do it. Definitely a, a, another contender for sure. Well, um, thanks everyone again for uh, for coming to the Hoot Nanny. And, uh, and, and listening to the show, um, definitely always please, uh, get at us, um, on all of our socials, uh, check us out on the discord on, on Twitter. Um, you know, we would love to hear all of your superlatives. Um, what would you skip and why would it be Mr. Whirly? And, um, <laughs> you know, j uh, join us next week. And until then, uh, don't forget to listen to music.
Audio.